I want to invite you to open your Bibles today to Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Uh, we're moving today from uh, stories of how Jesus uh, demonstrated care for others and the stories that show others caring for people to get them to Jesus to actually looking at how that played out in the life of the church. And we find those stories in the book of Acts. It's a reminder that uh, we see in the book of Acts the actions of the church and we see the actions of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to look together in Acts chapter 2. We're continuing our time together in a series that we're calling Unpacking Care. And you have just heard from Alan and Mandy Rice a story of how people have cared for them, how that led them to care for others, and how that just continues to replicate and duplicate in their life and into the life of others. One of the things that we said from the very beginning in this study of God's Word regarding care is that it's not, is that it's always prioritized, it's not always organized. Uh, there, there is a, a pattern in the life of Scripture where you see that caring for others in, in response to how Jesus has cared for us is it's right at the top. It's a priority. It's the, it's the fruit of a relationship with Jesus. It shows up in our relationship to others. Uh, it's not always organized. It can be very spontaneous. We don't have to wait on somebody to say, we're planning this or putting this together. It's not a church staff that would say, okay, now we've figured out how to care. We're going to tell you, here's how you do it. it. It just flows out of our relationship with Christ and relationship with others. But at times it is organized. And I see that in what uh, Alan and Mandy were speaking of today, organized care groups around uh, foster teams and this gives a lot of people an opportunity to say I want to care I want to be involved in the lives of others I'm not sure what the next step is here's an example of ways that organized care helps us live out this relationship with Christ in the life of others uh, we today as a as a church family are are uh, working with a lot of partners in our community as opportunities to, to, to minister and to love on people in a lot of different ways where there are great needs. If you'd like to uh, know more about those different partners that we have with ministries all over our city, uh, I would love for you to reach out to the church and contact us. Let us help you connect with those different ministry partners. Today, we're going to see how, again, that the life of Jesus becomes the life of a church. Uh, that's what shows up in Acts chapter 2. And if I was going to hope that uh, a single sentence would be carried uh, in our hearts away from today, it would be that the life of Jesus becomes the life of the church. And that's what happened in the New Testament church. The things that Jesus did, they did. The way that he cared, they cared. The way he related, they related. Uh, what he messaged, they messaged. Uh, 
what he loved, they loved. What he, um, how he loved, they loved. His fellowship was their fellowship. And this, this makes sense if you, you think just a moment about what happens in our salvation experience. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and through faith in him as our sacrifice for sin, he comes to live in us by the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so as he lives in us, we die to self and his life comes through us into the life of others. The fruit of this life is varied, but one way that we definitely see the fruit of Jesus' life in our life is through compassionately caring for other people. And we're looking at that over these weeks. This life of Jesus was being fleshed out in the life of the church. But here's the rub. Here's the conflict that we run into over and over again. Listen real close. It's this. We let the cares of the world crowd out our care for others. What happens? Christ lives in us. He's overflowing in us. The, the Spirit of God is flowing through us, working in us, even showing us things, opening our eyes to needs of people, the cares of others, the opportunities to love others. And the enemy fights against that. And the battle rages. And here's what he does. He takes the, he, he takes the cares of the world and it crowds out those things the Spirit of God is showing us. And we get in this battle with self and serving. And we, we think, I want to serve, I want to help, but we get our time, uh, our, our time is sucked away. Our money is pulled away in other directions. And we find that some time passes. And those promptings, those thoughts, those moments of caring for somebody... The opportunity goes by and we're like, mm. they got crowded out again. What happened? It is spiritual warfare. And I'm praying today that you and I would recognize that and the Spirit of God would be free to work and not quenched. And we would not see care for others crowded out by our selfish care, our selfish cares for the world. I want you to look together and see how the New Testament church is living this out. Acts chapter 2, and then I want to read a paragraph from Acts chapter 4. Look at it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together... And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. 
that little section of chapter 2 is a summary paragraph. It's a, it's a biography, if you will, of the New Testament church. It's who they were, how they operated, how they related to one another, how they related to others, how others viewed them and saw them. And then Acts chapter 4, we get a similar type biographical sketch of what the church was like in those early days. Look at it, Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands of houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Again, this biographical sketch of the New Testament church. And what you see is that Jesus that we learn about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus that we learn from in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has become the very life of the church. And, and all of those things, what Jesus did, they were doing. How Jesus was loving, they were loving. How Jesus had related to them, they were relating to one another and to others. And you just you see this flow of the life of Jesus overflowing from them. And you cannot mistake the fact that a, a, a major characteristic was that they cared for one another. That they saw the needs of one another and they went out of their way to make sure that those needs were being met. Four, five, six weeks ago, this was a prayer that led to this series that we're doing together. I began to talk to the staff about how there's just a conviction in my heart that we may be missing it some on on caring for one another. Maybe it was the overflow of isolation that COVID brought on. Maybe it was just a, a self-centeredness that I was battling with in my own heart. But there's just this sense that we've got to get this right. We, we need this kind of biographical sketch to be true in the life of our church. And let's not Assume that it's the case. Let's not miss the opportunity to look at God's word, to see that developed in our life. And I thought about this statement over and over again. As people flow through here, maybe college students or families that for some reason they get exposed to the life of a New Testament church and God calls them to another job, another city, another place. Something in their life is going on. There would be this testimony. I've never been cared for like I was cared for when I was connected to those believers at Watkinsville. 
I would love for that to be the testimony of others that come in contact with the life of our church. Not for our glory, not for our church's name, but for God's glory. That they would see extraordinary things happening that would cause us to praise the Lord and praise His name. I carry very few uh, quotes, comments, those kinds of things in my Bible, but there is a quote that I taped to the inside of my Bible about six years ago, and it's uh, it's getting tattered on the edges, but it's at the very front, and it's been a a summary that I've wanted to, to say, Lord, answer this over and over again, and I've read it to you multiple times, but I'd come back to it again. It's it's this question. It says this, is the love in your church such that people in the world and of the world would be willing to forsake all other loves just to know this love? Would they give up their addictions, their diversions, their compromises, their resentments, because the love your church has is better and truer and deeper than anything they've found anywhere else. Now, if you're watching this online, maybe you could just hit rewind and listen to that question again. But it's a, it's a real call for us to say we have been loved in such an extravagant way by Jesus Christ in his, his life, death, and resurrection. That that love is to overflow into the lives of others in such a way that it draws people to him. And we've seen that. We, we saw that in the story of the Good Samaritan, of how really Jesus is the one that cared for us like nobody else would care in turn we turn that around and like Jesus was our neighbor we become that neighbor to the world around us we saw it in the care of those roof wreckers we saw it in the care of how they were willing to grow to extraordinary lengths to care for others and it would lead to others being able to see God do extraordinary things He gets the praise. And then we saw it when Pastor Vic spoke of Zacchaeus and how Zacchaeus was not a problem for Jesus. There was potential there. There was a possibility there for Jesus to do something in his life. He showed this care towards Zacchaeus and it's a reminder to us that people are not to be seen as problems for us. They're to be seen as opportunities, potential for us to care for them in ways that would lead them to Christ. Let me pull out some of these characteristics of how Jesus cared and how it shows up in the life of the New Testament church. Number one, they were united the way Jesus was united. Let me break that apart just momentarily. They were united the way Jesus was united. One of the things that really jumps out in the book of Acts is how often it speaks of them being together. Uh, They were together in one accord. They were together in an upper room. They were together in prayer. In Acts chapter 
2, it says, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship. It's that, that word fellowship speaks of them being together. And then verse 44, it says, and all who believed were together. And they had all things in common. There was this unity in the body of Christ in the New Testament that was tied to Jesus. It was not a cause that united them. It was a person that united them. And, and Jesus, we, we, there, there's something about this, the power of unity that's tied to Jesus that's reflected even who, in who Jesus is. What I'm referring to as of this unity in Jesus is what we would refer to as the Trinity, the Godhead, uh, the, the fellowship that Jesus had as the Son of God with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. There was a unity there in the way they related to one another in their work, in their roles. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 is one example of about 20 places in God's word where God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit are all mentioned together. This one particular case, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. Listen to this verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul's conclusion to this letter to the church at Corinth takes this unity of the Godhead, takes this work of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and he, he extends that blessing to the church and he's saying, let, let that be true of you. Let that be characteristic of you, the, the grace of Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let that be who you are in you, over you, through you. Let that be your unity. And you see that in the life of the New Testament church back in Acts. And here's the characteristic where that shows up. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the teaching of, the, 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 of God's word to one another, with one another. Uh, they were devoted in meeting the needs of one another. Uh, they were devoted together in prayer. They, were, they would come together and pray together. And you see that that the, the, the very unity of who Jesus is in the, in the Godhead was overflowing into the church, being united in Christ. It shows up in these actions of how they were devoted to these things. Now, secondly, you pull out of the life of Jesus, you see that they messaged what Jesus messaged. Their unity was the way Jesus demonstrated unity and their message was the very message that Jesus came to deliver and to live out. The message that Jesus came was he came to save sinners. He, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came not to be served but to serve. 
Mark 10, 45. When you come to Acts chapter 4, you see that this very message had captured their heart and this very message was being lived out in their voice and in their hands. Look in Acts chapter 4, verse 33. It says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And that's the story of the New Testament church. They weren't involved in this great cause of just trying to meet needs of people physically. They were involved in getting the message out that there was a resurrected Savior. That this Jesus had come and he, he had lived and he was crucified and he was buried and he rose again. They had, they had seen his life. They had touched him with their hands. Uh, they had eaten with the Jesus that had been here in the flesh and they saw him on the cross and they saw where he was buried. And they had seen him risen and that message had changed their eternity. And they were getting that message out. You see that this was being played out in their life as a New Testament church and how they were telling others about the resurrected Savior, Jesus. This New Testament church, they were doing what Jesus did. They were loving the way Jesus loved. They were united the way Jesus was, was united. And they were messaging what Jesus had messaged to the world. And then finally, I want you to see that they were doing what Jesus did. And how does that show up? They were meeting the needs of one another. We have a gospel message to deliver. But as we deliver this gospel message, it's it's not just words of truth. It's also hearts of care. That's why you see in the New Testament that we're to speak truth with love. We, we get this picture of the New Testament church, not just they were preaching this message, but they were also living the message. We cannot forget that our vertical relationship with Jesus Christ is going to be proven real and true by our horizontal relationship with other people. They were meeting the needs of one another. I hope over these four weeks that this would be a clarion, a clarion call to us to, to build into our life the opportunities for the love of Jesus to overflow into the lives of others. Again, that battle of self, a battle for the cares of the world, we read again here, what, what did they do? Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Do you see the relationships that were going on there? We build that into our life. We build being together into our, our life the way that we know the needs of others. Listen, the way we know the needs of others around us is that we're involved in the lives of others. The way we relate to other people is by relating to other people. One of the reasons that we may not know what the needs of others are is because we're not in relationship with others. And we can get so closed-eyed spiritually, so self-focused 
in our life that we totally miss relationships with others. And the beautiful picture of the New Testament church is that they were together. They were in fellowship together. They were eating together. They were praying together. When you pray together, you know what happens when you pray together? You begin to discover the needs of others. When you're praying together, you hear the burdens of others. You hear the concerns of others. You hear the cares of others. And you do begin to meet their needs by praying. But it also puts you in a position to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the lives of others. It's a reminder to us that the enemy is going to try to isolate us from relationship with others. Reality is, is that for some of you watching online right now, it, it could be that you're not able to return for some physical reason to an own property gathering. And, and, and that's, you know those reasons. We know a lot of those reasons. But let me just say a word to you. There may be some instances right now where you're listening online and actually you... You could be back in fellowship with other people physically, but for some reason, the enemy is, is working to isolate you. Don't let him do that. Even last week, I remember a battle personally. Uh, as I was dealing with a, a lot of cares related to my dad and just processing through his health situation there was something in me that just kept fighting and battling saying Vic's preaching just stay home the staff has got it you could just stay home you could just disappear into the fabric you're in town but you could just go home kind of sit in your chair and and just be there and not have to interact with people and but then at the same time there was something that just kept just go just be there just be there just be in the mix and I remember leaving thinking last Sunday that was a win. God won there. Because I, I, I came away encouraged and strengthened, having walked into relationships instead of walking away from relationships. And I just I want to tell you that Jesus went toward people. Remember Zacchaeus? He went toward Zacchaeus. And as we care about the needs of others, uh, remember, you've got to come toward people to be able to have needs met. You've got to be in relationship with, with people. And, 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 say, and I don't know what to do. Just reach out and tell us that. An email, a phone call, a, a letter, a note, some way of saying, hey, I, I need relationship. I need to know how to connect and and let us work together to, to do that. They did what Jesus did. And what Jesus did was he met the most desperate needs of people's lives. And they were doing that physically. And it also led to them having the opportunity to do that spiritually. It, it, these verses read in Acts 2 and Acts 4 about them taking their possessions and putting them together to meet the needs of others. Can I just say that... Oftentimes that those descriptions of um, no one had need. Uh, they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing those things. That, that comes up in Acts 2 and Acts 4. And, and people will raise that politically and say, that's, that's kind of like communism. That, that's, what, you know, that's kind of like socialism. That's kind of like, take, you know, let's take it all and let's pull it all together and distribute it back 
out. I want to tell you that these verses are not the, the, the foundation for communism or for socialism. I, and, I, and I don't even want to take time to argue for capitalism. What I'm saying to you is, is that this picture here is, is not communism or socialism or even capitalism. It's Christianity. It's Christ living in you. What you see here, listen, what you see here is the inward overflow of what Christ does in a life when he's on the throne and self isn't. Those other isms that I'm talking about, those are outward forces that work on people and say, this is law. What we are talking about here is, is a love that flows from within where Christ gets a hold of a heart and we see how much our most desperate needs have been met and people take what they have and they say, we're going to make sure that people are cared for. We're going to make sure it's, it's somebody walking up to someone saying, here's the story I heard from two weeks ago. I don't know who it is. I, I don't know how it all played out, but I got this story of somebody walking out of our gathering two weeks ago and someone spotted them and saw that their glasses were broken and an individual walked up to that person and said it looks like that you might need new glasses and I don't know the story but I want to make sure you have an opportunity and they handed that person a hundred dollar bill and said I want to make sure this helps you get new glasses you know what that is that's like Jesus has done something in somebody's heart. There's a need. Somebody has their eyes open. And out of the love of their heart, they go and they meet that need. That's, that's what we're saying here is that our eyes are open. And the love of Jesus is allowed to flow out where we're taking resources that we have to care for one another. For Barnabas in chapter 4, he owned a piece of land. No doubt the Spirit of God had led him to do something with that, to meet the needs of somebody else. And so he sold that piece of land and he took those resources and he used it to meet the needs of other people. Can we pause long enough to just say by him being able to sell a piece of land, that meant that he at one point had either bought that piece of land or inherited that piece of land. And maybe it's just a reminder to us that owning some things are not wrong as long as what we own are freely usable by the leadership of the Spirit of God. I think about college students maybe listening today and thinking about your future. What if God was saying to you, I want to train you in this skill so that in the future you'll be able to use this skill or the resources from this skill to be able to meet great needs one day of people around you. It's a different perspective. As we bring our time to a close today and we think about the life of Jesus becoming the life of the church, I want to call you to a fresh mission. I want to call you out of a spiritual battle that you're in 
in the cares of the world instead of caring for others. We're living in a day right now where it seems like many people just wake up almost with this, with a critical spirit. Sometimes it's passed off as being discernment. Here's, here's what I would just challenge you for some days ahead. What if you just prayed when you lay down at night, Lord, help me wake in the morning with a caring spirit. What if this became our battle cry? What if we woke up on a mission to care instead of a mood to critique? What if we woke up on a mission to care instead of in a mood to critique? It could start right in our home, in the way that we approached our children not critiquing everything that they've done negative, but how could we care for them? It could be us responding to our parents in that way. It could be us responding to our roommates in that way. It could be us responding to our friend group in the media world or our friend group in our school. What if you went into your school on a mission to care instead of in a mood to critique or criticize. Unpacking care. When I first started looking at this series, I was sharing with Carla about how I just wanted to see a new generation of um, caretakers. Uh, a new generation. It's not, not just talking about our previous generation and how they used to care for people but all the way down through teenagers and children college students middle age that we would build margin in our life of money and time and resources get our eyes open to caring for others and she, she said you know how I learned to care so tell me about it and she reminded me about her mom and she said I can remember being in my house and the phone ringing and it would be a phone call from the prayer chain at Valdosta Baptist Church and they would tell her a need that had come up in their church and she said she would be on that phone talking to that person who was passing along that information and in the midst of that conversation with that person she said I would see her with phone on her ear, walk over to the oven that was built into the wall while still on the phone and reach up to the dial and set the oven to preheat. She would walk away, walk toward the cabinets, finish the phone call and put it down. And right in the midst of getting the phone call of a need, her mom's immediate reaction in prayer was to actually turn the oven on and began to prepare a meal and some food for that person in need. For some of us, it's turning the oven on. For some of us, it's selling a piece of land. For some of us, it's another skill. It's another talent. It's another thing. And what I just ask you to do is to take your thing your 
things, your life, and lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to care like you care. Lord Jesus, let your life in me become life in the life of others. And let's pray together. Father, I pray today that you would take your word and unpack it and let us um, bring you glory in the way we care for others. We see, Lord, how sacrificially you have cared for us. We pray, Lord, you'd use us to lead others to you, maybe, Lord, down a road of caring for them. Help us win the battle against self. Help us to win the battle against the cares for the world. Don't let it crowd out what you want to do through us. In the name of Jesus, amen.